everybody and welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We are recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. This week, the speaker was me, and I spoke about how to parent yourself. Please enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Anne. Hi, Hi Anne. Anne. My topic is how to be a loving parent. That's the tool I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, I think it's a good topic because every meeting we read the solution and it says, what's like we talk about all these horrible things that happen to us and all the ways we're all messed up. And then it's like, what's the solution? And there's a, there's a solution and it's to be your own loving parent. Um, so I think we can't talk about that enough. And, uh, I was on the way over here. I was talking with a friend about how she had remarked at one point, like, how should I know what a loving parent is like? That's the whole problem. <laughs> I wouldn't be here if I had had a good example growing up. Um, and I know people in this room who have actually read parenting books because they just had no idea what a good parent looked like. Um, another thing I do is I... I have some friends who are good parents. I know because I can see the way they treat their children with like love, love, gentleness, humor, and respect. And so I have a good friend, Rebecca. She's got two sons who are, um, I think, like 8 and 12 now. And, and I call her and I'm like, hey, mom. <laughs> I don't have any kids. And I'm like, hey, Rebecca, mom. Like, you know, I don't know how to like deal with myself in the situation. Like, what would a good parent do? And she'll tell me. You know, because she's a good parent. She knows what to do. I can see that because I can see how, like, confident and calm and well-adjusted her children are. And I'm like, I would, someday I would like to be as, like, calm and confident and well-adjusted as Rebecca's kids, you know. So I can take advice from Rebecca. So there are resources out there for us. Um, I think often we can often be the worst judge of what a good parent is because we typically tend to follow the example of our parents. Um, my initial method of parenting myself, although I didn't think of it as parenting myself, but to just scold myself as much as possible, push myself as hard as I could, um, and tear myself apart every time that I was failing at something in hopes that that would somehow scare the shit out of me enough to like doing better the next time. That's what I learned being a good parent is. You know, that's all I had. Those, those were my tools. Um, they, they did not work. They were not helpful. I just made myself more frantic and scared and panicky. And you know that when you're frantic and scared and panicky, you're not at your best. So that was like the first 40 years of my life. <laughs> Yay. Um, so I wanted to read a passage from the Red Book about... This is from Chapter 8, The Solution, Becoming Your Own Loving Parent. Um, and I wanted to read the little sections in the back where it has little um, 
I don't know what we call these, but it's other people in ACA who talk about their experience. And I like this part of this chapter the best because this chapter can be a little abstract sometimes about what the solution is, but these shares that are written here are very straightforward. And um, there's four of them. I don't know if I'm going to read all of them, but here is one. What is a loving parent? Loving parent number one. When I got involved in ACA in the 1980s, the concept of a loving parent was real new. We used affirmations, the steps, and journaling, which I now believe to be a form of reparenting. The affirmations and the feelings work set the groundwork for me to counter my critical inner voice. This was a loving parent of sorts. The affirmations reminded me that I can do things right. I can give myself a break. This confounded my negative thinking, which had run wild before ACA. I have a loving parent today who is compassionate and funny. My loving parent inside does not criticize me when I pray or do things for myself. Reparenting myself with gentleness and self-love is as natural as being critical once was. Like, imagine how wonderful that would feel. And I really think that's available to all of us. It says in the beginning of this chapter that we all have a loving parent inside of us and that parent is authentic and original and real. It's a part of us that has always been with us and will never leave us. And we just have to sort of like nurture and cultivate that part of us. But it's not like something that we have to invent or gin up or, you know, make up. It's there already and we just need to be connecting with it. Um, here is another passage, loving parent number two. My loving parent is a gentle disciplinarian, the person inside of me who lets me know when I've had enough of something. A loving parent is the person who is able to define how much is enough. She says, you've had enough now and I will help you to stop doing this. It is the part of me that says, here's the reason why I'm stopping you. You don't need more. When I realize that there will never be enough food or money or love to please me, I could just let that go. My loving parent helps me to define or name my emotions so that I know what they are. My loving parent helps me choose what to wear so I'm comfortable. My loving parent helps me to be comfortable. I love that so much. And uh, here's loving parent number three. Another person writes, a loving parent is someone who guides you and who takes you by the hand. When you make a mistake, a loving parent hugs you and says, it's all right. You don't have to do this. It's okay if you don't meet my expectations for you. It's okay to try and do the best you can. Here are some ways you can do that. Just do the best you can. The ineffective parent would say, just do it. I know what that's like. This is like, I do that to myself. Like, just do it. Like, why don't you just do it? And I'm like, I don't know how to do it. Too bad. Just do it. You know, um, that's not helpful. Um, but do what? I never knew where to start because I never saw things done correctly. I never had the self-esteem to believe that I could accomplish anything. Here's the last reading, loving parent number four. A loving parent is someone who stops and pays attention to the inner child who sits with her and who makes time for her, who acknowledges her feelings when she is happy or sad. A loving parent respectfully touches the child and kisses the child, but does not demand the child kiss back if she does not want to. A loving parent doesn't tell the child she is stupid for the things she feels or thinks. I love that one too. Um, because I'm often like, I shouldn't be thinking this. I shouldn't be feeling this. That's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's, that doesn't help me at all. When I, um, 
what I'm like, what I've learned in AC is that everything I feel makes sense and everything I think makes sense. It might not be based on reality, but I have these feelings because of the way I experienced things growing up. Um, and I loved that in AC, I learned that a lot of my crazy reactions were perfectly normal reactions to having a kind of a nutty childhood. So I try to remember that when I have reactions that don't make sense. Um, my sponsor gave me some tools to use to talk with my inner child. I visualize this little child. I don't see a face, but I see this little child. I bring her onto my lap, hold her, and respect her. I even ask my angry child, why are you angry today? That's what a loving parent is. I'm trying to be that for myself today. Um, so I also want to talk about some things I do for myself personally, and I, I don't know if like what I do will work for everybody, because I think one thing a good parent does is they don't treat all they don't expect like everything to work with every child. Like any good teacher knows that you have to treat every kid in the classroom differently. So, you know, what works for the person in this chair might not work for the person in another chair. And it's taken me a long time to figure out what works for me. When I first came into this program, I had no idea um, how to relate to myself in a way that was gentle and yet also effective. I just didn't know. And a lot of it was trial and error. A lot of it was running it by other people, listening to other people and what they did. But here's some things I've worked out for myself. Um, one that's like super obvious, but it's so obvious that still, I still have a hard time with it. It's just like basic self-care, making sure I get enough rest, making sure I don't exercise very much, but I do some calisthenics every morning. And I go for a run you know, a couple times a week. I try to make sure I eat nutritious food. Um, and when I do those things, that takes care of like 80% of my problems. Most, most of my really nutty thoughts come when I'm super tired, when I'm exhausted, when I haven't eaten enough, when I'm really uncomfortable. And if I can make sure those things are taken care of, my, my head is a much nicer place to be in. Um, and these are such simple things. I don't need to go to a therapist or take a pill or anything to like take care of like 80% of the nonsense in my brain. I really believe that. Most of the people I see who are out of their minds are really tired. They don't know how tired they are. Um, or they're really overwhelmed with too much to do. Or they just aren't eating well, you know? Or they just aren't exercising. And I think a lot of our problems can be solved by basic self-care. And we just didn't learn that growing up. Um, I remember I'm also an AA. And when I first got sober, my first sponsor asked me, Anne, do you have a warm winter coat? And I said, I felt so insulted. I'm like, of course I have a warm winter coat. And my warm winter coat was just like this really flimsy designer thing with like a big furry collar and it came down to like mid-thigh and it, it had no lining or anything. And I wore that. I looked really good in it. And I got a lot of compliments. And I wore that thing for like another 10 years. And it was, I was always so cold. It was, every winter was awful. And I finally 
went out and I bought one of those big, ugly, puffy coats with a hood and a big, ugly ski cap and these giant boots that have like sheep lining in them. And when I go out, I look like um, a tank. And I am so happy in the winter now. I love walking around Brooklyn. It's so fun. And um, I'm like, I'm impenetrable. Like, there's, there's no such thing as bad weather, only a bad outfit. <laughs> and I'm so sorry that I suffered through all those winters in that dumb little, you know, designer coat I had. That was not good self-care. So that's a really basic example. Um, another one is a... Also kind of another dopey one, but that's just like giving myself a lot of praise and recognition all day long. I, I'm so hungry for praise and recognition. I will do anything. I will almost do anything to get people to give me a compliment, to think well of me. I will, um, I can't tell sometimes when I'm doing something because I really want to do it and, or if it's because it'll make me more the kind of person that I think that will make me the kind of person who gets the kind of compliments I want to get. Um, so to mitigate that just a tad, I try to give myself what I'm longing for from other people because I probably didn't get it growing up. And that's just a basic sense of like that dumb affirmation, I am enough, I do enough, I have enough. And I love that so much and I can say that to myself over and over again and it just it makes me relax. And I'm like, okay, it feels like I'm not enough. You know, it feels like I'm not good enough. It feels like I don't do enough, but that's not true. Um, and then, like today, I, I woke up and I wrote in my diary and I did my meditation and I took the dog for a walk and then I did my push-ups and sit-ups and I lifted my little 15-pound dumbbells and after I was like, good job, Anne. He did a good job. And I, I literally, like, I'll pat myself on the back. I'm like, good job. You know why? Because I live alone. I work alone. No one's there to tell me I'm doing a good job. And if I don't tell myself that, no one's going to tell me. And then I'm going to go out into the world. And I'm going to be, like, so hungry for your approval and your recognition. And that makes me, like, very powerless, mm. you know? And I don't want to feel powerless. I want to feel like I'm coming at you already proud of myself at recognizing what I've done. And that makes me a person who doesn't need stuff from all of you. It makes me something, someone with someone to give, you know? And uh, that's a much happier place to be in. How much time? You got one. one minute. Okay. One more thing. Fun and play. Um, so I work really hard and One thing I've loved about both sobriety and AC is I've learned that um, when it comes to fun and play, it doesn't have to be that hard. Or it doesn't have to be so hard to figure out because what I love to do is exactly the same stuff I loved to do when I was 10. It hasn't changed at all. It doesn't require any more money or effort or invention. I love to read books on the couch. I love my little dog. I love playing with my dog. I love riding my bicycle. I love playing the piano and I love my friends. And the more I can give myself those really simple things that I loved growing up, um, the more I feel happy and satisfied. And I think my job as being a parent to my kid, I need to make sure that I get enough of that so I feel 
happy and free. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you.